Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. John chapter 4 verse 31, the word of God says, can someone say amen? You got it? Amen. John chapter 4 verse 31, the word of God says, meanwhile, his disciples urged them, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let's come before the Lord. Father, uh, we thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you for uh, the way your word penetrates into our hearts, the way your word speaks into our lives. And we just ask today, Lord, that let it be no different. That you may speak, that we can open our hearts so that you may speak freely into our lives. That you can uh, move us to action. That you can move us to change in our lives. Whatever it is that you are asking us to do, that we can be open and receptive in our minds, in our souls, in our spirits to your word. I ask you for each person that is here, I ask you, Lord, that you bless them and that they may be blessed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Can someone say amen? Amen. You may be seated. So last week we started a new sermon series uh, that we are calling We Are. We Are. Brother Julian mentioned that in about two or three weeks on July the 16th, we will be having our one year celebration. And we're taking this opportunity to, to leading up to that celebration to speak on the things that we are as a church. We are. We are City Church. But what does that mean? What does that consist of? Last week, we, we spoke from the subject of we are faith-filled. If you weren't here last week, we invite you to go back to the podcast and listen to last week's message. We believe that it will bless your lives, okay? But we spoke from the subject we are faith-filled. And we spoke about how as a church, uh, it, it's, it's more than just being Uh, or saying that we are certain things, but that it requires action in our faith, and that if we're going to be faith-filled, that we need to take certain actions in our lives, whatever God is speaking and telling us to do. This week, we're going to be speaking from the subject of, we are spiritual participants. It's not a very fancy subject, or not a fancy title per se, but this is what we're going to be talking about. We are Spiritual participants. We just read in this Bible verse set that we, we looked at. In John chapter 4, verse 31 through 34, uh, the disciples are working. Uh, just so you can have some context, okay? Uh, this is a moment where Jesus is in Samaria. Uh, the Jews, uh, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people did not get along with the Sumerian people. And here is Jesus in the middle of Samaria sitting 
uh, at a well, and, and, and this lady approaches him. And he begins to talk to the Samaritan woman and begins to reveal her life to him. And she says, I'm going to go grab my neighbors. I'm going to go grab people I know because, sir, I believe you are a prophet. And I need to tell people about you. And I need people to come meet you. And as she goes off to find her neighbors and her friends, we pick up right here in verse 31 where the disciples come upon Jesus uh, and they had gone into town to get some food. And they say to him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then, you know, the disciples started looking. Well, I don't see a Burger King bag. I don't see the McDonald's bag. What is he talking about? What does he mean that he's got food? Did somebody bring him some tacos while we were gone? What in the world is he talking about? And Jesus perceives their questions and he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, the disciples at this moment were in a consume, uh, a consume mindset. As a society nowadays, we are consumers of products. We are consumers of advertising that is set before our eyes, that we fill our hearts with, and we look at things and we want to consume things. We want to partake in things. We want to take things. We want to, uh, we want to use these things for our own good. And we consume and we consume and we consume. And the disciples were telling Jesus, Jesus, you need to eat. You need to consume. You need to take of this so that you may be well. And Jesus responds to them, no, no, no. I am not here to consume at this moment. My food, what fills my life, what makes me good, what makes me healthy is to do the will of my Father. See, Jesus had a contribute mindset. He had a participation mindset that I'm not here only to consume. I'm not here only to, to receive something from people. I am here to contribute. See, guys, our, our true nature in our lives when we are growing up, and for those of you that have kids, you, you, you see this off the bat immediately in our kids, that we have to teach our kids to share. It doesn't come natural to us to share. It doesn't come natural to us to, to give and to contribute to one another. There are the exceptions. There are those young kids with big hearts. There are these young kids that are, uh, have big hearts or they're very gullible, you know. But in our, in, our, in our true nature, we are selfish. It's all about me. And society contributes to this by telling us to work hard. Society teaches us to use our talents for who? For ourselves, to make a lot of money so that we can retire, so we can be comfortable and we can die. That's the dream we have. That we can have money in the bank, that we can have a good retirement, and we can die comfortably. But deep down, deep down, we know and you know in your hearts that you have been made for more 
than that. That there's a bigger purpose in our lives. Now, that purpose may have been covered up. Last week we spoke a little bit on failure. That that purpose may have been covered up because of our fear of failure. We're kind of fearful of taking risks. We're kind of fearful of stumbling and, and, and looking foolish in front of people. But deep down we know that there is something more. Deep down all of us wants to make a difference. Jesus was not interested in consuming. He was not interested in taking. He was interested in contributing his part. Giving what he had. So church, I want you to understand that we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual participants. We are not here at church only to consume, only to receive. Let's see what, what church has for me today. Let's see what, what message. Let, uh, they better sing my favorite song today because we're walking a thin line now. And if, if they don't sing my favorite song, I don't know about next week if I'm going to show up. I, of course, I'm exaggerating. But sometimes we take these attitudes in our hearts that if the church is not doing what I want, what I like to serve me, then there's a problem. That's when we become spiritual consumers. But you and I have not been called to be spiritual consumers. We've been called to be spiritual participants. We are not spectators. We are participators. We are not here to fill a seat only. We are not here so that the room can look full. We are not here so that everyone can see our pretty smile and, and, and what you're wearing and see how God has blessed you. No, you are here to be an active participator in the will of God. Even Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We call on to God. We call on to Jesus. Jesus, that I can be more like you. Change my heart. Soften my heart. Let me look like you. Let me act like you. Let me talk like you. And the very first step, church, that we need to take is that we need to begin to learn how to serve others. How to give to others. How to participate. We need to learn how to participate in the mission of God. In Luke chapter 13, there's a beautiful picture of Jesus gathered with his disciples. They're talking and they're eating. They're doing whatever it is they're doing at that moment. And then all of a sudden, the, the word of God says that Jesus gets up from where he's at. He takes off his outer robe. He grabs a towel and ties it around his waist. And he begins, he grabs a basin of water and he goes to each disciple and he kneels down before each disciple and he grabs the basin of water, grabs their feet and begins to wash their feet. We're talking about the creator of the universe. We're talking about the God Almighty, the great God Almighty. We're talking about the Alpha and Omega kneeling before a human and washing their feet. Jesus came to serve. And sometimes we have it backwards that we are here so that we may be served. 
If Jesus himself said, no, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. We confuse this at times. I need you to understand that the church does not exist for us. We are the church. And we exist for the world. We exist to go bring hope to the world. We exist to be a light unto the world. We exist so that we can go out of this place. And that we can be a beacon of hope. That's why we're here. That's why we come to this place uh, for one and a half hours. And I want you to know that when you come here, there has been a group of people preparing for you. Uh, although you're only here for an hour and a half, sometimes we don't understand what goes on in the background. Sometimes we don't understand the prayers that have been prayed for you. Sometimes you don't understand how the preparation it takes to, although seemingly it doesn't seem that it needs to take too much. But yes, there is hours, there is time, there is suffering involved for you to come and to receive the word of God. But the good news is that you don't just need to be a spectator. You can be a part of this. You can be someone that serves. And God calls us to serve in two ways, church. Number one, God calls you to serve in his church. God never meant for his church to be a building. I'm going to church. That's not what God meant when he said, I will build my church he wasn't thinking about architectural plans. He wasn't thinking about concrete foundations. He wasn't thinking about four walls and some electricity and some light and windows and making sure the acoustics in the room sound good, make sure we got good equipment for, for the sound. When Jesus said, I will build a church, he was talking about you. He was talking about me, that he was going to build us up so that we can be a light to the world. We don't go to church. We are the church. We are the church. And what we have when we're talking about serving in his church, serving within us, then God has given us many different talents and abilities. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, the, the Apostle Paul says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So this is just one micro section of scripture that tells us what some of the gifts that you and I have. We have serving. We have teaching. We have encouraging. We have giving. We have leading. We have kindness and mercy. We have prophecy. You have to understand that when you and I get saved, we get baptized. We're brought into Jesus. The word of God says that we become members of his body. Just like my right arm has functions. Just like my left arm has functions. Just like my pinky has a function. Just like I can't function without my thumb. Each one of us has a function within the church. 
We may not understand what it is just yet. We're trying to discover what our gifts are. But there are people here that may have the function of prophecy. And I'm not saying that you're predicting the future. I'm not saying that you're doing, uh, 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 bringing fire down from heaven. What I'm saying is that God is using you to speak into somebody's life through the prophecy and through sensing and following the direction of God and telling you, telling someone's uh, brother or sister, I sense that you're having a difficult time. Let me pray for you and let me let you know that God can help you through this. I've gone through the same thing. And you begin prophesying, speaking a word into someone's life that will encourage them. There are people here that have the gift of prophecy. There are people here that have the gift of encouragement. There are people here that have the gift of leading. There are people here that have the gift of giving. And we need to begin to exercise. Because when one part of the body is not working correctly, if anybody's ever broken a bone, I've broken multiple bones in my life. And neither one of them was fun. I cannot say, wow, I hope I break my bone again. Because that was a good experience. When a part of the body is not functioning the way it needs to function. The whole body suffers. Brother and sister, let me tell you that when you are in problems and you are in trouble and you're not functioning to the potential that God has put in your life, the whole body of Christ cries out because we need you. God wants you to be participating. God wants you to be active. That's why you're here. So God calls us to serve in his church. But God also calls us, number two, God calls you to serve as his church. So he calls us to serve in his church, within ourselves, within the body of Christ. But he also calls us to serve as his church. I've been hearing lately that I guess I, I use this verse a lot, and I, I was thinking, well, I don't know, maybe I need to stop using it as much. But no, this is what God has put in my heart for our church. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says that you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Have you ever lit a lamp or a candle and then just hid it under the bed or put it somewhere where nobody can see it? There's no purpose in that. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we are in the world, when we are working, when we are interacting at McDonald's, when we're ordering our food, when we are interacting with our co-workers, when we are dealing with our managers and supervisors at work, when we are dealing with the teachers of our parents, when we are dealing with people that are coming to our home and providing a service for us at home, we are representing the body of Christ. God calls you to serve as his church. See, guys, when we go out into this world, when we leave this place, we are continuously, continuously representing God. 
We can't forget that. There's a, uh, in Spanish, sometimes we say that que nos esclavamos de la cruz, that we, uh, that we unnailed ourselves from the cross because, man, that guy really got to me and I had to tell him something. And then we get back on the cross. It doesn't work that way. We need to allow Jesus to reign in our lives no matter what circumstance you go through, no matter how stormy it may be outside, no matter what's going on in your life, we are continuously called to serve, to represent his church. Why is this? Let me tell you, government isn't the best organization to meet the needs of the world. The reason that God calls us, calls his church to serve the world is because, I don't know if you've ever heard it say, have, have you ever heard it be said that the local church is the hope of the world? That's why God calls us to serve the world, because we are the hope of the world. Today, we went out before we came to the service. We went and we prayed for City Hall. We went and we prayed for the police department. We went and we prayed for the fire administration. We went and prayed for city officials because the reality is if that, you, if that the church can connect with city officials, then we can begin to influence. We begin to, begin to uh, I don't want to say infiltrate because we're not trying to do anything uh, where it can't be seen. But we're trying, we begin to allow our Christian values, our beliefs to be instilled within government. To be instilled with our, within our neighborhoods. Even in your HOAs. Some of you may not like your HOAs and you pay all this money. Why wouldn't you want to be the president of your HOA? Why wouldn't you want to be in a place where you can influence, that you can make a difference? Because there are people out there making decisions for you and for me, and we just stand back? Oh, well, I can't do nothing about it. I'm not telling you to go pick it. I'm not telling you to go do anything. I'm just saying that there is an opportunity between for us to influence the world and we can bring hope to the world. Whatever God is calling you to do, you do it. If God is telling you to serve at a, at a homeless shelter, do it. You don't need to wait for an official invitation from City Church to do it. Do it. Bring your family. Take your husband. Take your wife. Take your kids and serve because you are the church. You are a part of the church. You belong to the body of Christ. And we begin to influence others to love through the love that we have been influenced with. We're here because we know Jesus loves us. We have been through things that God, only God could have brought us through it. And we need to share that with others. So as we, as we begin to, to finish out here in just a little bit, I'm going to just kind of quickly go over five blessings, I'm sorry, six blessings that we can obtain when we serve. Why should we serve? Well, we should serve because we're called to serve. But there are also some benefits for when you and I serve. Number one, serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. I've already talked about this. Where 1 Corinthians chapter 12 compares the church to a human body. And everyone 
has specific functions. It's okay, we invite you, hey, we need an usher, we, we need a door holder, we need somebody to greet, we need somebody to go take this to this family that's hurting. And, and if things don't go too well or you feel out of place, but it, it's okay because God is stretching you, you are learning what your gifts are, and maybe your gift isn't in that particular area, but you tried it, and, and maybe you thought it wasn't your area, but you said, well, you know what, let me give it another shot. And you begin to grow. You begin to be stretched. If you're walking down the road, listen, church. If you're walking down the road and you're just strolling, enjoying the beautiful weather, there's a nice cloud that is providing you some shade, and, and it's going good. You're looking at the flower. You're smelling the roses. Everything's good. And then all of a sudden, you walk up to an arm that's detached from its body, and it's just an arm, a human arm. What are you going to do? Scream, get shocked, call the police, something must have happened. Why? Because something's wrong. See, a, a single body part by itself is not useful. That arm you found on the ground is no good to be on the ground. For it to be good, it needs to be attached to the body. For it to be useful, it needs to be attached to the body. See, you by yourself, I hate to put it so bluntly, but you are not useful. But when you're attached to the body of Christ, when you begin to serve in the church, when you begin to serve the world because you're representing the body of Christ and you are going and serving at homeless shelters, you are going and serving and, and giving to kids that are needy, to families that are needy because you're representing the body of Christ, then we're becoming useful and we're developing our spiritual gifts. A right arm by itself is not useful. But attached to the torso, to the shoulder, to the torso, then you can make some use of it. So serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. Number two, serving allows us to experience miracles. You guys do not understand what happens behind the scenes. See, in John chapter 2, there's a story of Jesus that he was invited to a wedding. And something happened at this wedding that they didn't foresee. Maybe there was too many. You know how it is. Probably at your wedding there was people that you didn't know who they were. They showed up. It's like, who invited them? I don't even know them. Are they with you, honey? I don't know who that is. That must be a cousin three times removed. They must have somehow found out and we sent out the invitation. We didn't send an invitation to him. Well, anyways, Jesus was at a party like this where all these people showed up. And the word of God says that they ran out of wine. So the party's going to not be too good because they've ran out of wine. And then Mary goes and grabs Jesus, brings him to the back, to the kitchen, and says, hey, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And Jesus says, well, why does that worry me? What does that have to do with me? Woman, don't you know that my time hasn't come yet? And mom being like a mom, Mary being like any mom, says, does he ignore Jesus and says, hey, do everything he says to the servants, to the people that were behind the scenes. Mary walks off. Jesus is like, I thought I said I wasn't, it's not my time yet, but okay. Mom is mom. Got to listen to mom. He tells the servants, servants, guys, bring these jars. Bring these seven jars. 
So there's the people behind the scenes while everyone's partying, while everyone's at the worship service, while everyone's doing what they're doing. Jesus says, fill these seven jars, fill these jars with water and go take him to the headmaster. They do as Jesus said. It doesn't say that he prayed. It doesn't say that he spoke in tongues. It doesn't say that he, he, he did anything strange. All he said is fill it and take it. They did as Jesus says. They pick up the jars, take it to the headmaster. Headmaster tastes it and goes to the, to the groom and says, you know what? You know what? Most wedding parties, they bring the best wine out in the beginning. And then after everyone's a little bit tipsy, they bring out the worst wine because it's a little cheaper. But you have saved the best for last. And all the guests enjoyed it. But the guests never knew about the miracle. Who knew about the miracle? Those who were serving. Those who were in the background. Those who did the work. They knew what had happened in the background. See, when you and I serve, when someone approaches you, hey, we could use someone to help us at the door. We can use someone to help us at the welcome table. You know what? There's a special event coming. We could use someone to, to help us park some cars. You put yourself in position to be used by God. It may look insignificant. These waiters or these people, the people that handle the dishes, they probably never thought they were going to see a miracle. But yet here, Jesus walks into the picture. And something amazing happened. When you serve, you allow yourself to experience miracles in your life. That alone should make us excited. That alone should make us like, Pastor, where is the sign-up sheet? I want to be an usher. I want to do this. I want to do that. Don't worry. That's coming, okay? Number three. The blessings that we, we, that we can obtain when we serve. Number three is serving allows us to experience the joy and peace that comes from obedience. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. See, the Bible clearly commands us and tells us that we have gifts that we have received from God and that we are to steward them, that we are to administer them, that we are to use them and, and use them not only just for our own selves. It's great that you're very creative and you can use it at work and you're using it to make money, to eat for your family. That's great. But God has given it also so that you can serve and that you can give. And when you do that, you begin to experience the joy and the peace that comes from obeying. Do you remember back when you were smaller kids, you were young kids? I mean, all of you are very young, so you don't have to remember too far back. But when you were young kids, when you disobeyed your parents, how much peace was in your heart? 
You did it. You wanted to have fun. You, you went out there. You knew you were running late. And mom told you, dad told you, you better be home by 10 o'clock at night. And here's 11 o'clock and you're still 30 minutes from home. And, and yeah, you had a good time, but you knew that the hour of reckoning was coming. And there was no peace to get home when you got home. When we obey, we're filled with peace. We're filled with joy. We have a clear conscience. And we can hide our disobedience by saying, well, Lord, we sacrifice, we do this and we do that. But God told Saul, the king Saul, that to him, obedience was greater than any sacrifice that you could give. Jesus, God, wants obedience from us. And when we serve, we are obeying the word of God. We experience joy. We experience peace. And church, serving is a form of worship. We're worshiping our God when we serve. Believe it or not, when a uh, night of worship, when these young boys were outside par- parking people, telling them how to park, and they were leading them, and they were telling them, no, you need to face the building, that was a form of worship to our God because they were doing it with a willing heart. And they were doing it because people were going to come in here and be blessed. Let's obey God and serve. Number four, serving helps us to see Jesus in others. I don't know, Pastor, sometimes I have a difficult time seeing Jesus. Sometimes I have a difficult time connecting with Jesus. Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, verse 40 says Jesus was telling a parable about a king. And, 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 and the king, after they were having a conversation, the king said, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. If you want to see Jesus, serve someone. Because when you serve someone, it's as if you're doing it unto God. Is as if you're doing it unto Jesus. You see a need? My son sometimes, in trying to convince, I won't name any names, but when he can, tries to convince Andrew to sing, um, he, he, he's like, come on, Andrew. See a need, fill a need. See a need, fill a need. I'm like, ah, see. Really? All right, let's see how this works with you. But that is what we're called to. We see a need, we feel a need. We see our brother hurting. What can I do for you? And sometimes people don't, don't want to admit that they're going through a difficult time. They, they don't want to, but you don't need to tell them what you're going to do. You can just walk up to them, whether it's monetarily or whether you're going to go help them do something. Just show up. Walk up to your brother and your sister. Brother, here, you know what? I, I feel God just, I just want to bless you with this $100. I just want to bless you with this $50. You know what? Here's a gift card. I want you to take your wife out this weekend. Have a great time with her. If you need a babysitter, I'll babysit. You see a need, you feel a need. Serving helps us to see Jesus in others. Number five, serving surrounds us with other Christians who can help us follow Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Spur one another 
on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. There is a reason, church, that we gather on Sundays not just to hear the worship band, not just to hear another message. Yes, all that is part of it. All that is something that is very deeply ingrained in our meetings. But another reason for why we meet is because we see each other and we can encourage one another. We can develop community within one another. We can see, talking about seeing needs, we can see the needs in, in, in each other. And we can receive encouragement. Because some of us, maybe we like to, to, to live a life that, that is strong in Christ, and that's great. You do need to live a, a life that's strong in Christ, and you don't want to show any weakness. You want to always be that person that is always happy no matter what, always joyful no matter what. I was speaking of the gift of prophecy. But when somebody walks up to you and sees through you and says, you know what, brother? You know, sister, I don't know what you're going through. I don't even know if you're going through something, but I want to pray for you today. On Thursdays, we're spending some time on Thursdays in prayer. And we take a little moment during the prayer that, that we, we group into little groups of two or three. And we ask each other, how can I help you pray today? What can I pray for? And we, when we gather and when we serve and we are involved, we're gathering with people that are the same like us. And we can be encouraged. You serve in the parking lot team and, and, and you're serving with someone else or you're serving with the team that's serving that week, that Sunday. And you get encouraged because you see the passion that they have. You see the love that they do it with. You see the leader's passion that they have. And you, and you want to keep going. You're spurred. You want to keep going towards love, towards good deeds. And you will want to be back next week because you're encouraged. Number six, serving brings glory to God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And when we serve, church, we give all we got. They tell us to be here at 2.30, I will be here at 2.15. They tell me to show up at 2, I will be here at 1.45. I'm here at 145, no one else is here. I'm going to be understanding, but I'm going to serve. Because my service to the body of Christ, my service to the world, brings glory to God. It is a form of worship. And see, we all make all sorts of rational explanations of why we can't serve. Number one, what is the biggest excuse everyone uses when you ask them to do something? I don't have, I don't have time. Another excuse, another rational excuse that we come up with is, I don't know what I would do. I don't have those special skills to contribute. 
Oh, they don't need me. They have plenty of people. They don't need me. The reality is that the Lord doesn't call people that has all the skill sets. There's a, there's a, in leadership, they say that the Lord doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. If you've been called, if you, someone has seen something in you, you may not have all the talents just yet. Maybe you haven't developed that potential yet. But believe me that if you have been called, God will equip you. God will equip you. God has used men and women with similar doubts just like you. I don't have time. I don't have the capability. I don't have the personality. I'm too introverted. I'm too extroverted. I'm going to scare people away. I'm going to, I don't have patience. I don't have whatever. We can make all the excuses. Believe me, someone else has put up that excuse before you. You are not the only one that's made this excuse. And God has used those people. Moses didn't think he was a leader or a speaker. But God worked through Moses to bring Israel out of slavery. David was the youngest. He was so young that when when, uh, Samuel went to go look at the sons of, of Jesse, they didn't even invite David to the party. He was overlooked. But God worked through David to defeat a giant. And he was eventually made king. Paul, the Apostle Paul, did you guys know that he used to kill Christians before he met Jesus? But he went on to become one of the most highly regarded apostles and the most prolific writer in the New Testament. We are spiritual participants. We are not spiritual consumers, church. I'm going to ask you to stand. Father, we come before you at this moment. We have read your word. We have heard this message. We just ask you, Lord, that you convict us. That you convict us and that you spur us on to serve. And whether it's serving here within the church or whether it's serving out in the world, Lord, we ask you that your Holy Spirit guide us, that your Holy Spirit equip us, that your Holy Spirit will lead us. So that through the service we are giving, through the talents that we are putting forth, that through the through the different gifts that we are using and, 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 and utilizing in the world and in the church, that those gifts, those talents, can bring glory to your name. Not glory to us, God. It's not about us. Though you may use us, we want to be used to bring glory to your name. Convict our hearts. Convict our hearts. 